So there was a girl on the mainland, and she was bullied, like, a lot. So instead of responding negatively, she wrote to each person and put it on each locker something super positive. So what we did in our school was we each grabbed a post-it and wrote something positive. We want to speak words that are true, right? We don't want to speak negative words. We want to speak truth. Can we just thank them one more time for that wonderful way of encouraging us? You know, we're in this series called The Habit, and, and we want to talk about words that encourage. Because some of us don't have the habit of encouraging words. In fact, we're probably on the other side. We've developed habits that are discouraging in our words. And so we want to switch that around as we develop these habits. A habit is defined as a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. So we can develop good habits and we can develop bad habits. This morning we want to develop the habit of encouraging words. Don't you just love it when someone gives you an encouraging word? Don't you love it when someone compliments you and they say nice things about you and they're kind to you? Like if someone said, wow, you look like you're still in your 20s and you're like 70. You still, you feel so good. Those words mean something to you and I. It just encourages us. And so we want to we wanna speak words that bring life, not death. Words that affirm people. Words that build up and not tear down. Now imagine... If you were frustrated, just imagine right now you're frustrated, you're angry. You might be there right now, but just imagine if you're not, if you're angry or frustrated. And kind of put yourself in that mode. Maybe something happened 
and now you're frustrated, you're irritated, you're angry. And so you want to respond to certain things that have taken place. But that's the emotion you're feeling right now. So I want you to think in that way and then finish these phrases together. Okay, and these are rated G phrases, okay? So when you finish these phrases, just remember that, okay? You're in church. So the first phrase, I want you to finish, okay? And here it is. You're such an... (laughs) You can't say it, right, what you're thinking. Okay, just try that again. Let's just think of a word we would normally say if we were angry or irritated. What would we say, okay? You're such an... Yeah, some would say idiot or something like that. You're such an... Imbecile, that's kind of a long word. Okay, here's the second one. Just try this one. You're irritated, you're angry, and you want to speak this word. Just finish this this phrase, okay? You're just like your... (laughs) The women said father, the the men said mother. You're just like your mother. Okay, how about this one? You make me sick, tired, sick and tired. Okay, you could put those two together. Uh, how about this one? Let's just say they're involved in a sports activity. And maybe they dropped the ball or they, they struck out or something like that. And then finish this phrase. Keep your eye on the... See, you don't even have to think. It's like we already know what we are supposed to say or what makes sense to us. In fact, a habit is something that is automatically done. You really don't have to think... When a habit is being performed. In fact, they did a a lab study on these rats. Okay, I know, yeah, it's rats. But what they did is they put these brain sensors, these little microchips in the brains of these rats. And they made a maze. It's just an easy maze, just a straight line. And you could either turn right or left. The right side was a dead end. The left side was a piece of chocolate. So they put the rat in here with the brain sensors, and what they did is they let the rat loose, and the moment they let the rat loose, the studies showed that their brains, their brain levels spiked. And so they're looking around, and then when they would turn right, their brain levels would still be high, and then they would turn around and go back. And they would do this over and over, and they saw the brain levels on a high, and then... When they found the chocolate, it spiked even more. And so they would do this over and over. And what they found is after time, the rat knew which way to turn for the piece of chocolate. But what happened was in this study is they noticed when they put the rat in, the brain level would spike up again. But then the brain would go into sleep mode while the rat was going for the piece of chocolate. Then when the rat found the piece of chocolate and ate it, the brain levels spiked again. So they said the study kind of shows that when you develop a habit, your brain actually falls asleep in that habit. So like you and I, when we go for a piece of chocolate and we know where it is and we find it, Eureka! And then we eat the brain, uh, we eat the brain, we eat the piece of chocolate. That's a different study. So we eat the piece of chocolate, our brain levels change. And they showed us that we too, as human beings, we can actually go to sleep mode because our brain doesn't really need that much activity when it's in its habit. Heidi and I used to live at this one place, and we lived there for 10 years. But then we moved, and it was one day that we're coming home, we're going home, and we lived there for maybe five, six months already in the new place. 
But on the way home, I turned up to our old house. And Heidi looks at me. She goes, where are you going? I said, home? She goes, we don't live there anymore. I thought, oh, that's right. That's so true. It's like we automatically will go back to our old habit because we have not yet developed good habits. And so we want to develop good habits. Would you take out your notes with me as we talk about how to develop the habit of encouraging words? By the way, in your bulletin, you're going to find a couple of things. One is this post-it. And this post-it will help you and I as we learn today about habits. And we're going to tell you what to do with this. In fact, I can tell you right now, you're going to write some good encouraging words and post it in different places or give it to different people. You've received one, some of you, when you came in because we wanted to encourage you on your way in. Also, we have this uh, card in there. And this is called My Next Steps. Some of you are wondering, what do I do next? You know, I came to church. What do I do now? Well, your next step is, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? And if you say, yes, I have accepted him, then your next step would be to attend church regularly. That when you attend church weekly, it actually helps you with your growth with Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose of this card, is to show us in our growth in Jesus Christ and how we can grow in the Lord and be discipled by him and with one another. And then after you attend church weekly or find a, either Sunday morning or Wednesday night, or some of you will do both, then you attend our Discover New Hope, our membership class. And what that does is it helps you to understand what water baptism is, helps you to understand how to journal and do your devotions and read the Bible. It also helps you to understand our core values, our mission statement, who we are as a denomination, which is Foursquare. And then after that, your next step would be water baptism because now you have a better understanding of what water baptism is. And our next water baptism is August 9th. And then after water baptism, you want to join a small group. You want to be a part of a smaller group of people, whether it's a Bible study or a devotional group or one of the ministries that are held during the week. There are small groups everywhere, so you, you want to be a part of that. And then finally, your sixth step would be to join a ministry. Every single person has a gift to be offered to the Lord. And maybe God is calling you to join in a ministry. So what you would do, and even if you've attended church for a long time, and maybe you've gotten water baptized or you're in a small group, this helps to understand where you are. And maybe you didn't go through our Discover New Hope, our membership. Uh, this is actually kind of like how we had our discipleship classes. And so this is something that is kind of new. So if you have never attended or if you would like to know more about it, then you can attend. And we'll give you the dates on that. It will either be on a Thursday night or a Saturday morning. That way, in case you can't make a Thursday night, you can make the Saturday morning. And then it will help you just check off. Wait, I had not gotten water baptized. So get water baptized and you can check that off. It just gives a good roadmap on your journey with the Lord. And then as a church body, when you invite your family or friends, they might tell you, no, I've already accepted Jesus, but I want, I want more. What, what else can I get out of, out of my relationship with Jesus? You just go to this card. You can say, well, you start attending church weekly and then discover new hope. And you can walk them through, excuse me, and you can walk them through each step of the way. And that will help us all to stay on the same page. Okay? Got it? Is this clear? I think this will be helpful for all of us. And just to mention, this Wednesday, you know, we have our 
uh, legacy camp. It's our, our district high school camp. And Pastor Marsha was talking about it a little bit. But I want to encourage you to be there. And here's why. The Lord calls us as the generation above to be responsible to pass on to the next generation the wonderful things of God. And think about it. Probably some of our toughest years was during our teenage years. That's probably one of the most difficult times of life or our young adult years. So imagine if in your teenage years, someone came alongside of us to encourage us, to build us up, to pray over us. Maybe it would have done something different in our lives for the better. Maybe it would have set a better foundation. Who knows? So I want to invite all of you to be here on Wednesday night. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to not just worship our God together and learn together, but we're also going to encourage the youth that will be there. And yeah, you may be thinking, but I'm old. I don't, I don't jump around. I don't, I don't listen to the loud music. Well, here's two things you can do. One, you can bring earplugs and just enjoy. Just to, You'll still hear it and feel it a little bit, but it won't be as bad. And then you get to pray over our youth. It'll be a wonderful time together. And I tell you, your presence here, just your presence will speak volumes to our youth. People need to believe in them and they need to see people believing in them. And so we're gonna have dinner at 5.15 till about 6.15 and our service begins at 6.30. We'll worship together and it'll just be a phenomenal time, all generations together. So I hope you can come this Wednesday night. It'll be a great time for all of us. Okay, so let's take out our notes. I want us to read this uh, scripture together and it's not in your notes. It's actually gonna pop up here on the screen. But this will help us in understanding how we can develop these habits and what happens when we don't have good habits of encouraging words. In fact, the Bible helps us in how we can change these habits. Ephesians 4.29. Let's read this together. Okay, by the way, before we read this, can we just give each other grace this morning? Just give each other grace because automatically you're going to say, see you, you swear all the time or something like that. Just give each other grace. Give yourself grace this morning. We're learning new things together, okay? So let's read this together. Ready? Go. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So just think about it this way. Remember when you first started dating. For those of you who are married or maybe you're dating, and maybe you're in this stage right now, that you'd be walking together, maybe holding hands, and then that other person would trip or fall, and you would feel bad. You'd say, oh, are you okay? Let me see. Are you all right? Yeah, just twist my ankle. Oh, it's okay. Come sit down. Let me see. Let me get a pack of ice. Oh, it's okay. Oh, you got some blood there. Let's go get a Band-Aid. Let's, let's put that. Oh, you got, let's, let's clean that up. Let's, oh, what happened to your elbow? Oh, let me see. Oh, let's clean that up. It's okay. You're, you're good. Oh, let me kiss it. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And so you clean it up. You put a Band-Aid on it. And that's how it is in the beginning. You're so encouraging and loving. And then let's just say you're married 30 years. <laughs> you're walking together. And let's just say your spouse, your wife, let's just say she falls and trips. Would we do the same thing? Maybe, maybe not. Sometimes we're like, what are you doing? Well, I tripped. I fell. Why? Why? Why did you fall? What are you doing? I told you to wear those high heels. That's why I said, no, get those high heels. We better go bare feet. And you, you, you ask questions. Why? Well, how did you fall? How did you get hurt? 
Well, I just twisted my ankle. Well, what were you doing? Like there's no compassion anymore, no sympathy. It's just it, we've changed over time. So we want to develop good habits that we keep those encouraging words. Otherwise, we'll go backwards and we'll fall into the old habits that we used to have. See, our habits can get us into trouble. Hebrews 5.14, it tells us, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Today, we're going to train our senses to discern good and evil. To train, that word is gymnazo, which means the gym, the gymnasium. That's where you go to exercise. Your senses, it's, it's the way we think. It's our thought process. So today, we're going to exercise our thought process when it comes to encouraging words. We actually need to exercise our brain when it comes to encouraging words. Because for many of us, we've never grown up in that environment. Maybe we grew up in an environment that was negative, or we work in an environment that is negative, or words that are just spewed out of the mouth all day long that are not encouraging. And maybe you, you find yourself in that environment, and then you just take on those words or that spirit, and then you kind of become like that. Or you try to fit in, so because everyone speaks like that, you got to blend in with everyone else. But we're not supposed to. Our words are supposed to reflect the one whom we fell in love with when we received him as our Lord and Savior. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to look at a couple of things. Let's look at James chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, and then verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. James says, look, at, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the, pilot, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. Who have been made in the similitude of God or in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. That's what James is saying. He's saying it, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be that those who believe in God and those who have the spirit of the living God. We shouldn't be the ones that are spewing out discouraging words. We're supposed to say encouraging words. We're supposed to build up. So we can train our senses to discern good and evil concerning the habit of encouraging words. And here's how. Here's the first thing. Here's some pointers to help. The number one thing, you can write this in, is to learn what triggers my words. What, what triggers our words? Because we don't always speak in that kind of way. We don't always speak in a discouraging way. We, we do speak encouraging words. We're able to do so. But for some reason, something triggers us, and then we speak those words. We all have trigger points. Uh, we were in the fellowship hall one day, and uh, there's this one family, and I'm speaking with them. They have their children with them. They're drinking some smoothies. And one of them spills their smoothie. And the, the mom and dad starts wiping it down and say, it's okay, honey, it's okay. We can get you another one. And, and so they wipe it up. And I'm thinking, that's how we need to be. Now, whether they're like that at home, I don't know. You know, at home it might be different. What are you doing spilling that? Look, i got to clean them. But in church, we're so nice. 
oh dear, it's okay, it's okay. Oh, got all my new dress? No problem. We can get it out. Just got to wash it. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. And it's, it's, we can change. We can switch just like that. So we have the capability to do so. What triggers us? What triggers those words? I like how Matthew says it. Jesus speaks it in this way. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. It comes from the heart. And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. See, Jesus hit it right on the spot. The, the trigger, whatever triggers us, brings the words that are already in our heart. It brings it out. So really, it's not the other person. The words that we speak says less about the person we're speaking to and what they did or said and more about us in what's in our heart. It's there. It's going to make its way to its surface. It's going to defile us or make us whole. It's up to us in what we want to speak and what we're putting in our hearts. To defile means to make common or something that is profane or to make unclean. And so when we're triggered to speak discouraging words, whatever was done to trigger us is not the problem. The problem is what's in our heart. That there's something that is unclean in there and then when we speak it, it defiles us. In other words, it makes us common. Like just any average person. But as a believer, we're not supposed to be just average. We're supposed to be people who, are, who live extraordinary lives for Christ, who shine his light. We're supposed to be different than anyone else in the world. Luke 6.45 tells us that the good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. So there must be a treasure of good there in order for good to come out. But the evil man brings forth what is evil that is in the treasure of his heart. He brings forth what is evil for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So it helps us to understand when we give a word or a discouraging word or, or something to tear someone down, it just tells us more about us. So what, what is the trigger point? What, what, what triggers us to speak those words? Because it says more about us. Is it jealousy? Is it expectations? Is it I'm just an angry person? I'm unforgiving? What is it? It says something about us. Here's the second thing. And this will help us to develop this habit. Repeat words that strengthen others. Just repeat those words. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. You repeat it, well, you and I repeat it so that our brain can develop this new habit. It's going to take time for us to develop this new habit. Otherwise, just like that experiment, our, our brain will go into sleep mode. And the old habit will come back. We have to repeat good, encouraging words. Encouraging words. Otherwise, our brain just goes to sleep and then the old discouraging words come out. Have you ever been driving and then you kind of come to and you're saying, where am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? I was supposed to be going this place and now I'm going. It's like you're automatically going to another place. Or if you always drive a certain route and you go to get coffee in the morning, but today you're not able to. And then you're driving 
but you drive on automatic or autopilot and you're just in your habit of going to the coffee shop, you find yourself waking up close to the coffee shop, like the rat and the chocolate, and then you come to and you're like, where am I? What am I doing here? How did I get here? Who am I? And you're just, you're in sleep mode. And so when we develop this new habit of repeating words that strengthen, we got to get out of sleep mode and repeat it over and over so that our mind is renewed. You know, if you're a teacher or a parent or a coach, you have a certain amount of authority over people. And so you want to steward your authority well. Paul the Apostle gives us such a great, I, I love how he, he wrote this and, and his honesty and transparency in this. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 10, Paul the Apostle says, I am writing this to you before I come, hoping that I won't need to deal severely with you when I do come. For I want to use the authority the Lord has given me to strengthen you, not to tear you down. See, Paul, he, he, yeah, he, he was getting frustrated because the, the church in Corinth wasn't following the ways of God as what they were supposed to. And so Paul, being the apostle who oversaw that church, he wanted to bring correction. He wanted to come in. But he didn't want to deal severely with them because he, wouldn't, he didn't want to come in anger. And so he even told them, that the authority that God has given to me, I want to steward it well. I want to use it to strengthen you rather than to tear, tear you down. Paul even dealt with that. He chose words that strengthened, not words that tore down. The other day I came home and uh, actually it was 4th of July weekend. We had a party at our house and people were coming over. So we kind of cleaned up the area. And as I was coming home, I noticed that Heidi did something different. Normally we have our grandchildren's pool underneath the back patio and uh, it's a small pool, like six feet or something. It's, it's a good size that kids can play in it. But she had it out in the yard. And so when I saw it, I thought, I wonder why she put it in the yard. So I came home and I said, hi, Heidi. I was wondering, well, how come you put the, the pool in the yard? And she said, well, it gives us more room under the patio so that when people come over, it's not all wet under here. The kids can play out there. I said, but they don't like when grass goes in. She goes, well, they can just scoop it out. Plus, I put another bucket there where they can wash off their feet, like a little bikini, and they can wash off their feet, and, and then they'll be fine. She even built a, a small little deck for it, like with uh, pallet boards, and she put plyboard down. She made it really, really nice. And so I said, um, but the pallet board, are they going to trip over it? And now they can't run from the yard and dive in the pool. It's going to be different. She goes, they'll be fine. I said, I, I don't know if that's going to work. And she said, it took me four hours to do that. Hey, I hear you. And so I, I walked away and I was thinking, ah, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. So I asked Pastor Pauline, I, I said, Pastor Pauline, okay, this is what happened. So I told her that story. I said, what could have I done better? Pastor Pauline said, oh, easy, two things. Number one, shut your mouth. Number two, the second thing, just scoop out the grass. It's not that bad. See, I, I thought about this scenario. And I thought, I could have done better. I could have come home and said, Heidi, that is the best idea ever. That is brilliant. I could have said that. And then the kids had a great time. 
They had a great time. I could have come home and said, Heidi, I noticed that you put the pool in the yard. That's a brilliant idea. How did you come to that conclusion? Or something like that, you know, just to, just to at least encourage her and build her up rather than come home, well, how come this, how come that, why this, why that? I wasn't even home to help her. She did it all by herself. So, Heidi, good job. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, she, she knows. I wonder if the words that we speak says more about us. See, I automatically have a habit of when I see something, I automatically say to myself, how could have that been done? See, you have that habit too. I'm not alone. You have that habit too. We automatically go into how could have that been done better. The danger about that is the person who did that worked very hard. The good about that is maybe we can help to do something better. It could be there. But the first initial reaction should be something encouraging, something that speaks life, something that builds up rather than to tear down. 2 Corinthians 13 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Listen to these words. Be joyful. Grow in maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. And here's the result. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Paul uses this to close his letter. So I ask myself, how do I close conversations? What are the last words I speak? When I, when I come to the closing of my life, what, what are people going to remember me by? What are my famous words? Paul, cho- he, Paul chose joyful. He chose strengthening words. He chose grow, encourage, harmony, peace. And when we do that, then the love of God and the peace of God will be with us. See, you and I cannot love people more than God already does. But he wants to use us to show them his love. So here's what we do. Here's the last thing. If you want to develop the habit of speaking encouraging words, model how Jesus speaks. Because he has the best encouraging words to give. He has the best encouraging words that we could ever hear. He always encourages us. And even in correction, he encourages us. Did you know that our children at the age of one, two, and three are such sponges for vocabulary? Because children are, when they're born, when you and I are born, we're actually multilingual. We'll pick up whatever language we're around the most. Whatever language we're around the most, we'll pick up on it. So when our children are one, two, three years old, and all they hear is discouraging words or foul language, guess what they'll pick up on? Yeah, they'll pick up on that language. So when you get the call from the teacher and saying, you know, your son or daughter said this, you're thinking, why would they say that? That's the only language they know. They grew up with it. Maybe we've been in an embarrassing situation where our children are still young, but they just speak because that's all they know. And maybe you're at a family gathering and you're talking story and and you say, oh, remember uncle, give uncle hug, give uncle honey, honey. Oh, yeah, uncle mommy said you're a loser. What? I didn't say that. Yes, you remember you and daddy was talking about uncle. You say, he's such a loser. (laughs) Like they'll say things like that. 
They'll speak what has been spoken of at home. So if we're not careful, then they will speak it for us. They're sponges. And we are children of God. So let's be children who model what our Father in heaven is speaking. That we be sponges, that we can hear what Jesus is saying. What is Jesus saying to that person? What is he speaking to that other person? That person at work. You might be thinking, yeah, but what I'm saying is true. Not from God's perspective. God has a different perspective. Everything he does is motivated from love. Usually what motivates us in speaking words that are not encouraging is usually motivated by self. I need you to know this. I need to tell you this. You can speak truth, but do it in love and with grace. You can still do that. We want to speak words like how Jesus spoke. When Jesus speaks, life happens. That's how he rose people from the dead. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So when he speaks, life happens. John 6, 63, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That's Jesus speaking that. He's saying, I speak words of life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, we all love profit. If you own a business, you love profit. You love when the business is doing good. When you look at your P&L sheets and you say profit and loss, I love it when there's a profit. And so it is with our spirit. When we speak, Jesus is saying speak life. Because when you speak discouraging words, the flesh profits nothing. You bankrupt each other's soul when you speak discouraging words. However, when we speak words that encourage, we build each other's bank account, as it were, in our soul. We just keep building it up. When you see someone's bank account in their soul depleting, speak encouraging words, it rises right back up. Studies say it takes nine encouraging words to speak to someone that was spoken of with one discouraging word. So if they're at work and someone says, you're, you're such an idiot, you can't do it right, and you don't know about that, and they come home, you have to say nine encouraging things just to get that person back to level. Imagine if they come home and we're saying negative things too. It just depletes, depletes, and bankrupts their soul. The flesh profits nothing. When you speak like Jesus, we all build each other's bank account in our soul. So you might already have a pattern. You might already have these habits. But let's just practice, okay. We're going we're gonna to retrain our senses. Can we do that this morning? What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a sentence that is not so encouraging. And then we're going to do a new sentence or a new way of saying it, okay. This is just an exercise to help get our brains motivated, okay. So let's practice. Here's the first phrase. We're going to say it together. Here's the phrase. Why did you do it like that? Okay, that's the first phrase. Let's say it together. Ready, go. Why did you do it like that? Okay, you got to put some, put some, put some, uh, some, some, let's say you're angry or you're, you're frustrated, you're irritated, okay? You got to do the face. Do the face. You got to be like, well, some of you are already doing that, so that's fine. Just stay like that. Stay like that. So why did you do it like that? Ready, go again. Ready, go. Why did you do it like that? See, we even got the, the eyebrows and, you know, if you got, yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're going to replace that with, that's the best idea ever. Okay, unless, now this is in the context 
of encouraging words, not if they actually did something bad, like came home and smashed the car. That's the best idea ever. So you understand, right? It's in the context of encouraging words. So let's, let's say that together. That's the best idea ever. Ready? Go. That's the best idea ever. Okay, now don't say it sarcastically. Our, our demeanor has to say it. 60 to 80% of what we say is nonverbal. So we cannot say, that's the best idea ever. So that's different. You can say the same words, but your demeanor has to say it. So let's light up, put a smile on our face, Botox, Botox. Okay, 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 here we go. That's the best idea ever. Ready? Go. That's the best idea ever. Well done. My God. Second one, you're such an idiot. Okay, just try that. Ready? Go. You're such an idiot. Don't look at the person. You know, don't say it to the, don't say it to the person. Oh my goodness. Look at that. You're such an idiot. It's like, yeah, I got to get away with that in church. You're saying it as a, we were practicing. Man, some of you guys felt it. Like, you're such an idiot. Even the pastor said that. Stick with me. Stick with me. So we're going to change that to you are the smartest between the two of us. Ready? Go. You are the smartest between the two of us. Good job. Okay, the next one. How can you not know? Okay, how can you not know? Ready, go. How can you not know? Okay, that's very good. Some of you shrugged your shoulders. You're used to it. That's all habit. That's probably muscle memory. Okay, so we're going to replace it with, I'm so thankful for the way you are. Ready, go. I'm so thankful for the way you are. Now, don't be sarcastic on that one because that can go bad. Last one, okay, last one. Why can't you get it? Why can't you get it? Okay, you ready? Go. Why can't you get it? That's good. Okay, see, you guys are professionals. I mean, I'm not praising you for it. That's not really good. Okay, so why can't you get it? Let's replace it with, I love your creative thinking. Ready? Go. I love your creative thinking. Well done. Give yourselves a hand. Oh, come on. We're practicing. At least do. You guys are like, ah, I'll try. I'll try and do those words, but it won't work. You got to do better than that. Come on, you did good. Give yourselves a hand. Pat yourself on the back. You did good. Yeah. We're retraining our senses. It takes time. Some of us aren't used to it. We're not used to saying those words. We're not used to saying, I'm sorry. Let's just practice that one. Okay? You ready? Let's practice, I'm sorry. Ready? Go. I'm sorry. ha. <laughs> Wow, that was good. Some of you are still on S. I'm s- Nobody heard. Nobody heard. Oh, let's try this one. Please forgive me for that. Ready? Go. Please forgive me for that. Wow, look, you guys, are, you guys are doing well. Here's what John 8, 26 says. Now listen to what Jesus says. I love how he brings the context. He says, I have many things to say and judge Concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. You know what Jesus is saying? If anybody has the right to judge, I do. I have many things to say concerning you. I have many things to say that could judge you, but I don't. I speak what the Father has spoken to me, I speak that to you. Imagine if we all develop that heart to say, I'm just going to speak what Jesus speaks. Yeah, I can judge people. I can say things. I can say demeaning things. But 
I want to speak what the Father speaks. Let's read this last scripture together. John 8, 38. Ready? Go. I speak what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have seen with your Father. Now, if Jesus works at speaking these words that build up, how much more should we? He has the right to judge us. He has all the right to say what he wants to say concerning us, but he says, no, I want to speak what the Father speaks. And that's the heart that we want to develop. Jesus says, no, I'm going to speak what I've seen my Father do, but you do what you've seen your Father do. He's actually speaking of the enemy, the devil. He's saying, when you speak like how the devil speaks, you're just partnering up with the enemy. But when you speak what the Father speaks... Now you're speaking life. You're speaking the truth to people. Sometimes we just model what we've known all our lives, but now we have a heavenly father whom we can model after as his children. And he says, speak these words. Speak encouraging words that we no longer need to model after anyone else. We have the perfect father in heaven who gave us words to encourage each other. Let's do that today. Let's retrain our minds Let's train our senses to discern good and evil so that we can develop habits and a practice that build people up. Could you say amen to that? Let's pray together. Let's put away our notes and our Bibles. Let's bow our heads for a moment so that we can just focus in on what God is teaching us. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we've, we've been learning a lot about how our brain functions and, and how our body language speaks at the same time. But we also have learned that we have habits. Sometimes they're not good habits. They're habits that just speak out whatever is in our heart. And it actually shows us what's on the inside. But today, Lord, we want to do better. We want to be just like you. We want to speak words that you speak. So can you help us to speak words that strengthen others? That we would learn our trigger points and maybe just pause when we're being triggered so that we can recognize when we're triggered. Fill us afresh with your spirit so that our hearts, Lord, are filled with words that encourage. Help us to replace phrases or rethink how we do things. That our first initial words when we see people should be encouraging. Then we can correct things later or do things better later. But Lord, we want to represent you well. So can you do that for us, Lord? We ask that you give us the spirit of life today. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said amen. If you receive that this morning, can you just thank the Lord by giving him a clap offering this morning. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you.